away. Better than most. Better than most. Critical takeoff. He falls into the pit. He's going to get spat out. Please make welcome the Ball and All podcast, James Tiger Woods, Beric Eckerbarts, and the king of speaking in the third person, Steve Condor Condo Condon. Okay, listeners, Jared and Condo are back. The Matrix is here to find a few tips. Uh, Bit to get through to uh, get through today, Jared. Uh, tipping updates. Heaps going on. Heaps going on. CBA. They're in meetings with PVL. Their boxing gloves are off. Apparently, they're all mates. We'll get onto that in a sec. Uh, quick update on the uh, on the on the tipping ladder. Overall, we've got uh, Kiwi Doc and Carlos on one twenty-seven, followed by Juzzy one twenty-five. Uh, Craw 87 and Pig Pig on 124 and then Lurking, Greg Murdoch 120 with the Joker. It's going to come down to the wire. Uh, This is probably the widest week, I think, as in uh, that there's a lot of there's a lot of short price favourites this weekend. So looking for upsets, I think, Jared, when we get to the tipping. Yeah, not sure if there's upsets. A very tricky um Line placement, handicap position, uh, a couple of interesting games, and um, when we get through the tips, Steve, this week I've got I pulled out of the bag what I call a BBDO bet for the week. BBDO. So, uh, well, the BBDO. So <laughs> that sounds like a day we'll off. To, that sounds like what Woody and Berwick are having days off. We'll have to listen up for that. I've designed this bet just for Woody, so we'll get to the BBDO bet for the week. Righto, beautiful. Uh, let's just touch on the CBA agreement, Jared. Is anything happening? Is it all smoke and mirrors? Is it all the uh, Murdoch newspapers just throwing it out there that uh, the big white knight, PVL, has come to save negotiations? Yeah, listen, I think there's a little bit of truth to it. How much? We'll have to wait and see. Supposedly they have another meeting this afternoon. There's already been one this week. Um, hopefully... Uh, what we read is accurate, but let's take with a grain of salt, as you suggest, that uh, Mr. Volandis is very good at leaking and getting the story the way he wants it written into the media uh, in a certain area with News Limited, and that's clearly what's happened over the last couple of days. Let's hope there's some truth to it. Let's hope it gets ironed out over the next couple of days. Yeah, that'd be good. It's only taken about bloody three years, and the deals are, I think, the usual... Uh agreements of four years so they may as well start negotiating the next one because by the time they get to that it'll be expired yes very true and it's really interesting to coincide with this week that i'm sure we can quickly touch on the matildas firstly how outstanding are they and uh just everything about them you know their, their fun their spirit their camaraderie the way they play some of the quality of their goals no wonder it's captured the australian attention uh, I know winning's everything, but, gee, they've just been fantastic to watch. But it was really interesting that it was also mentioned on Tuesday after they won on Monday night. We go back to 2015. They went on strike over their CBA. They refused to get on a plane and go and play an international game because they couldn't get their CBA agreed to. 
Mm, Interesting. Well, they all deserve pay rises. The talent in that Matilda side is second to none, and they're going to give this uh, World Cup uh, a real shake. And hopefully Sunday afternoon, 5 p.m. up in uh, up in Brizzy, they they uh, they proceed to the semi final. Yes. Well, I read this morning that having uh, got to the position they are in now, win, lose, or draw on uh, Saturday, and let's hope that they're winning, they each pick up one hundred and thirty-five thousand dollars payment for this tournament. So they're starting to reap some reward. Is that right? Mm. Oh, that's good. I'm glad to see that. And um, our netballers <laughs> are on a plane on their way back after picking up the gold in England and picked up a zero payment. Yeah, it's uh, the imbalance on uh, funding for women's sport is really out of whack. It definitely needs to be... Um, Addressed big time by a federal government. There's not even an academy for women's uh, women's soccer, women's football in Australia, like as in a national no. a national body, which is sort of pretty uh, pretty ordinary when you well, think about the, it. The other great stat about the Matildas is I think it's 26 of the 29 in that squad came through the women's A for the women's yeah, A so Yeah, right. Okay. It says a lot about grassroots development of that sport into not only internationals, but, you know, I think, you know, probably 25 of the 29, I'm not sure of the number, I'd need to look it up, are all playing uh, around the world in premium women competition. Yeah, mainly in uh, EPL and France is where most of them are. Righto, well, let's get on to Coach of the Year debates, Jared. So I'm just going to throw the coaches up. You just go tick or cross whether they go to the next... uh, the next process of us discussing. Okay, Seabold. No. Nathan Cleary. Yes. Fitzy. Nope. Uh, well, it's not Holbrook, so we'll just forget Titans. Uh, Kevy Waters. Oh, well, I guess he's in the conversation. Just yes or no? Yes. Okay. Uh, Brad Arthur. No. Uh, Demetrio. No. Dragons, don't worry. Tigers, uh, Tim Shane's. That's a no. <laughs> Andrew Webster. Yes. Trent Robinson. No. Wayne Bennett. No. Uh, Suki Bub. No. Um, Craig Bellamy. No. O'Brien at the Knights. No. He's in the conversation, but a no. Okay. Uh, Todd Payton at the Cowboys. No. And we'll just call it Gus Gould at the Bulldogs. No. Okay. Righto. So that leaves us. Nathan Cleary, Kevy Walters, and Andrew Webster. And you're sort of throwing in mentions for uh, Wayne Bennett and Adam O'Brien. Let's just touch on them firstly, very quickly. Uh, Wayne Bennett, um, fantastic season. Uh, running out of petrol, running out of players, really, at the back end. Um, fair to say they will be challenging for top eight next year. Do you agree? Yeah, I do. I, listen, I think... Um well exceeded my expectation, and I think general expect, expectation for any of us for this season. Uh, you know, they've, they've got eight wins from um, 20 games to date. Uh, I think that that's probably four games more than most of us would have given them. I was probably something like three. Uh, the other thing that Bennett's done really well is he hasn't tried to top up his roster. He's gone with the people that he wanted for this season. They've signed very well into the future. They're going to be a powerhouse in the next three to five years. And he's done an excellent job, but certainly not coach of the year. Adam O'Brien. 
Well, I think he's turned things around very well over the last five weeks. I mean, winning cures all ill. Uh, won their last five games. But I think under sufferance uh, and under all the other pressure and drama that's uh, on him and in that camp and around their management, he's done exceptionally well. And I, I think the key thing in not only winning those games is he's getting quality performance out of key players. Like, obviously, Ponga, but you know Hastings, Crossland, Gamble, uh, Frizzell, Best, uh, and, you know, that's the hallmark of a happy team and some good coaching. Yeah, no, I'll touch on Nathan Cleary. I, I mean, he's got to be in the conversations. I mean, they're going to roll into their fourth semifinal series in a row. It could, um, at the end of that semifinal series, see their fourth grand final in a row. Uh, we know they lost their first one. They won the next two, and they're, at the moment, probably pretty short odds to play in uh, the 2023 grand final. Um, in a era of salary cap, um, ridiculous. Like you know, you really have to go back to the great Raiders sides, the uh, the great uh, Broncos sides when we didn't really have an enforced salary cap. Um, you know, early, uh, sorry, late late eighties, early nineties of that sort of dominance. It's just it's very difficult to keep up, and they're they're just that juggernaut is rolling on and. Um, Whatever they're doing down there, and the, and the uh, the sort of I suppose the the mission statement to players in their top thirty and and below of how they come in and just do a job. It's um fantastic coaching right across the board. Oh no doubt. So the, the you know the two in this final conversation is Webster and Cleary now. Uh, and Kevy and Kevy. Well, I think Kevy's done a good job, um, but you know I think uh, let's wait and see. But to get them into the top two is certainly uh, an achievement. He's got a lot of talent there, uh, a lot of expectation, but they are performing, uh, I think, exceptionally well. These last three or four weeks where there's been a bit more asset on, uh, they're playing away games, they're playing good opponents, and they're winning very well. Certainly he and his team deserve a lot of credit for that. Uh, then we go to Webster. You know, I think he's been out of the box. I just love his approach. He's, uh, he creates fun and happiness around that environment that is then bringing the best out of his team. And I could go through that list, Stephen. Listen, I think there's three or four guys that, you know, he's two centres and, you know, a couple of other guys that are overachieving as first graders. And that's a big rap on the coach because I think if they were playing elsewhere or we looked at some of their form last year or prior... I'm not sure that we would suggest that they were high-standard first graders. So he's just done a great job. The big question mark around the Warriors is going to be where do they last in the semifinals. If they end up finishing third as it now looks, then they would be playing the Broncos at Suncorp in week one. You know, Do they go out the back door in two weeks? Do they put up a fight? Whichever way, they've been outstanding and it's fantastic for the competition. Uh, but for mine, I think Ivan Cleary is the coach of the year. To keep doing what he's doing yeah, four years on the run now is staggering. You know, they've lost a lot of good quality players. They keep um, bringing through not only quality juniors, but also identifying guys that they purchased like, you know, Sorensen, like Hosking, like Smith, um, and sliding them into the right roles and a really good system that's incredibly well coached. And a lot of people forget that when Ivan was at the Warriors, and he also started to instigate this at the Tigers, 
he's a very, very good coach of defence. And, you know, we probably don't talk often enough how difficult it is to coach defence. And not every coach, and I would suggest probably only one to two out of every ten at this level are very good at coaching defence. And there's no doubt he is one of the best. And, you know, they're conceding 12.1 points a game, leading the competition after having come through four years at the top and all of this change in their um, their list. Yeah, it's going to take a bloody good side to beat them. Um, he's done pretty well for a guy who was uh, pretty tired and had to be sacked. Oh, Gussie, yeah, well, one of your great one of your great calls. Yeah, we need to move him on. He needs to go and recharge his batteries. He's a little bit weary. Well, there's it, a, f- a few interesting stories around all of that, I guess. And you're right to then, you know, rebound as he did and get a gig at the Tigers, and then all of a sudden, uh, Gould get gazumped, and um, those at Penrith smart enough to bring him back, and then you know kick things on. I'm sure he probably will back in at the right time, but let's remember that some of that was also of his doing when he was there prior. Um, you know, they're a, they're a talented uh, outfit and just a juggernaut, and he's a big reason why they're so successful. I wonder if they still talk, Gus and Ivan. I think they're polite. Mm. Interesting. Anyway, let's get on to uh, this week's tips. We've got uh, tonight... Uh, we have the Sea Eagles versus the Panthers, the side that we're just talking about. Um, just before we get into this game, I, I just don't get the rhetoric coming out of the Sea Eagles about Schuster. Like we've had, Ivan Clear, uh, sorry, uh, we've had bloody uh, DCE come out sort of mid-season, you know, sort of basically putting a rocket up his bum when he got um, when he got uh, dropped and had to go and get himself in decent condition. And then, did you see Seabold's press conference yesterday? No. Oh, he's just talking about how he's got to own his career and he's, you know, there's glimpses of a good, you know, of, of the potential that he's shown. Like, I don't understand that you're making those type of comments to try and put a rocket up his backside when you're paying him 800 grand. Those sort of comments come with somebody who's probably a fringe first grader or he's maybe 25 games into his first grade career. This is a guy that they are paying top dollar. There's not a lot of NRL players running around that are getting paid $800,000 on long-term contracts. Well, I, I think the big problem they're going to have in the next year and the, the next few years is a massive imbalance of their salary cap. And part of that is the fact that they've, they've got DCE there, and thankfully DCE was prepared to re-sign at a far more reasonable uh, figure uh, to return the favour to the club. But, you know, Brooks has not come cheap. Um, you know, they've got Turbo at the back, uh, they've got Jake in the middle, um, and then um, they're now going to have Schuster playing on the left uh, back row next year on enormous coin. It's ridiculous money for a guy that you're going to put on the uh, playing in the back row. So um, um, so the Seagulls are paying 575 The Panthers, gee, they're short, Jared, 114 um, It's a home game for Manly. How do you see this one rolling? Is that... Are those odds a fair indication of the split here? Yeah, yeah. Listen, I, I'm somewhere around the market at, at uh, 14 between them. I think Penrith win. I think they win quite comfortably. I don't think there's a lot of points in the game. You know, the Panthers have got um, two to three key outs, a couple announced yesterday. Manly got four or five uh, key outs, in particular three uh, big forwards in the middle. I think their form is really, really soft. I, I think that Roosters game was weak last week. 
I think their two wins prior against the Dragons and against the Sharks are really, really thin. Uh, back at Brack, uh, Brookvale will help them, but Manly got an outstanding record over them. Uh, sorry, Penrith have an outstanding record over Manly and at Brookvale. Uh, they've won the last seven straight and they've won five of the last six at the ground. So the record there is very good. I don't know. It's a high-scoring game. I thought 43.5 at total points was way too high. I thought the right angle through the game was the Panthers um, and Manly to be under that. Um, I can't see Manly troubling the scoreboard too much against the best defence. I think Penrith will keep it tight. They'll win by probably 14 in a low-scoring game. So you're calling under 43.5? Under 43.5. Okay. Uh, really looking forward to Friday night's first game. Uh, two of the better attacking sides, uh, the Titans away to the Sharks. Uh, and I see that the Roosters came out, you're saying confirmed. Obviously, we know that Holbrook's signed there, but he will be the master of attack at the Roosters next year. I think that's a, a really, really smart signing. There's no doubt uh, the Titans uh, really improved their attack under Holbrook. Um this will be a really good game. You would think it probably, I'm interested to hear what you think points-wise, but this possibly could be a high-scoring game. Yeah, it could. Um, we've got Klein in the middle, and sometimes oh, uh, they yeah, don't true. necessarily get 50 points or more with him as a referee. I mean, the Sharks get the advantage of coming off that really good win last weekend where their attitude was just outstanding uh, against the odds and against the market. Back-to-back away games, now return back at home where at Shark Park, their record's been very good um, against the Titans, who they've beat the last eight times that they've played. And, you know, the Titans, we go back uh, four games ago, they came to Sydney, uh, one point lost to Parramatta when they should have won. But their distant away record has been not flash. So that, that was good, but their record now is only two from their last nine when travelling. Um, I went looking for the Titans here, but it just worried me late when we've got Brimson... Pituaka and Varillas all now out. Great to see Jaden Campbell playing at fullback. The kid's a superstar. I agree with you. I think there's some points in the game. Might not get the 50. Listen, I was somewhere between six and eight between them. Uh, Sharks, uh, my tip, by six to eight. The market's somewhere around uh, eight. I think that's probably about right. But I do think the Titans give uh, a good show here. Gee, they're short, the Sharks, dollar thirty-four. Uh, the second well, game up at Suncorp, uh, it is the Broncos versus the Eels. Now, the Eels are coming off uh, a loss last week because the Dragons actually beat them, um, and they're playing the Broncos. Uh, Eels have to continue to win. Well, don't go to Suncorp. You might be lonely because we've got another oh, game at the Gabba. Oh, sorry, Gabba. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't play yeah, at Suncorp. Yeah. The girlies are no, on there on Sunday, yeah, Arvo. This is their third game here, and I think they're getting clearly better at it. They've won both games. Uh, it's a tricky place to play uh, because of where the, the crowd is on a big oval stadium. Uh, but they're mastering that very well. Uh, my mail is that both uh, Reynolds and Farnworth will be in. Uh, Ricky may well also play. They have a captain's run this morning. If those three come through that, then I suggest that they will start. If that's the case, then I think that they shred the Eels here. You look at that Eels list. You know, you've got Offa and Gowie playing in the middle, who's normally a back rower. I know he can play in the middle, but they're just short of big men. And then I, I think you can take your pick. Whoever turns up in the in the dressing room will get jerseys number two, three, four, five, because um, their defence down the edges, edges is just horrible. Absolutely <laughs> carved up by a weak Dragons last week. They've been conceding 20 or more at their last 
uh, five outings. And two of those, they've conceded 46 to the Storm and 46 to the Warriors. Now, they may have been a little short on troops on a few of those occasions, but I still think they've got major defensive problems against a Broncos side with you know the likes of Walsh and Staggs and Farnworth and uh, Reynolds and Marm. I just think they carve them up down the edges. So I'd be all over Staggs any time try. I think the Broncos win. The line is 10.5 or 11.5, depending where you're shopping. I just don't think it's enough. Stags anytime try scorer. What's he paying, Jared? I'll find that for you, Steve. I'd say it's probably somewhere around the two buck mark. Okay. The um, the next game, which is uh, well, actually, firstly, before we get on to the next game, I mean, this this is a real uh, testament to what uh, what Ivan Cleary's done at the Panthers. So they're going to run into their fourth semi final series in a row and possibly their fourth grand final. Parramatta made last year's grand final, came up short, and they're not going to make the top eight. I mean, yep. in your, I don't know, assessing the Parramatta def, uh, performance, is that is that a big fail? Well, it is, but I think Brad Arthur has his hands tied behind his back because so much of the list decisions there are made by um, others than yeah. O'Neill and the CEO. Um, and, yeah, look at all the list changes that he had in the off-season, many of which he fought against. You know, yeah, Carly but the, Pan- the, the but, but in, you know, the, in respect to that, the Panthers have had a lot of list changes. A lot of guys go out the door and go elsewhere, and they just Absolutely. replace them. They just replace 100%. them. 100%. Well, and, and, you know, leading into that is, you know, Stephen, if we go back to the mid-'90s when we were both coaching in, in Sydney, yeah, Parramatta Juniors were an absolute powerhouse and still should be, and mm. yet... I think it was acknowledged by Nathan Brown, uh, the ex-coach, report late last year about all the problems that they had with their pathways and junior development. Um, now, some of that appears to have been uh, rectified this year, and they had a number of players playing in the under-19s and under-17 rep teams. But then one of them has all of a sudden gone assigned with the Raiders and plays for the Raiders in first grade this year. So... I don't know. There's a, for mine, a yeah, lot of okay. question marks around their list management and their development pathways. Answer to your question, yes, it's a fail. You, to go from the grand final and have the window open to then be missing your semifinals the following year is very poor. Okay, we move on to the next game. Uh, the Rabbitohs need to bounce back against the Dragons, who were absolutely ripped off last week against the Parramatta Eels. Um yeah, this game's north, isn't it? They're going to yeah. uh, they're going to Cairns, Jared, to Barlow Park. Jeez. Sunny afternoon in Cairns, hard track, fast track, should seek points. Problem is the Dragons are just very depleted here. No DeBellin, Sewer, Molo, Bird, Lomax. Five key outs really weakens that team. I've mentioned before they get travel sick when they get on a plane. They've lost their last 13 games when they travel. That's a horrible record. Souths win, but Souths have got the hippie-hippie shakes. Uh, uh, as I mentioned on Monday, I don't know that they're a very happy camp. They've gone Sunshine Coast, then to Tamworth, then to Perth. Now they go to Cairns. All this travel is going to take a toll. I think they win. I am just staying well away from the game. Yeah, I don't know. I think the Dragons were really up for a good performance last week. I have my concerns this week with those outs. I think the Rabbitohs might get into their groove. Unfortunately, it hurts me to say. It really hurts me. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, Tigers, Warriors, oh, Tigers, just pack it up for the year. Warriors are gonna. Are the Warriors gonna really rack up some points here. 
Well, the, the game's at Hamilton in New Zealand. They moved uh, it, yeah, uh, and it's a Tigers home game. It is. Um, picked up 30 grand, I believe, to, to be able to move the game. And, you know, it's good for, for the Tigers picking up some money. It's a great reward. Oh, for it'll pay for, a new, another... pay for a new suit hat combo for the chairman. Yeah, well, we're a, a second chair in the hairdressing room. Um, you know, uh, the, the thing with the Tigers is I think that the last couple of weeks that they've had Brooks and a couple of other key players return that they've prepared to play some ad-lib ball movement with a footy, and they don't care if they get beat. They've lost the last nine. What's it mean if they lose ten? Yeah, and they probably should have won last week against the Raiders. And should have. Yeah, yeah. absolutely should have. But, and, but So at least they're playing some positive attack, and I think that might just cause a little bit of a speed hump here. I think the Warriors win. I don't know that the Warriors win by what the market has them at the moment, which is 16. Uh, and the other key point about the Warriors is when they play games in New Zealand away from Mount Smart, their record is not flash, and if they end up winning, they're normally lower margin wins. So Warriors to win, uh, I think there's some points in the game. It's 47.5. I think we might hit 50 here. The weather forecast is uh, for dry. Uh, might be a little bit of light drizzle, but that's about all, which is probably a good day in Hamilton. So uh, I think we'll see some attack and plenty of points. Okay, next game is uh, the Roosters. They take on the Dolphins, and they still, well, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're crowing that they still have a mathematical chance to, uh, to make the eight, which they do mathematically. Uh, you know, Dolphins a little bit unlucky last week, go down by uh, in a close one to the Knights. This will be a good game, Jared. I think. You know, amazing stat out of this, Steve, is the Dolphins have never beat the Roosters. Oh, sorry, the Roosters have never beat the Dolphins. You know that? Well, they've only played once. Oh, there you go. I knew you picked that up. Yeah, it was the first, Listen, ga- first Dolph- game of the year, you bloody fucking idiot. <laughs> but that was, one, that, was, that was one of the greatest upsets. And what is their number 17, Dylan Napper? He's back. Yeah, well. Well, it, 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 it underlines the point that they have uh, five or six key outs. It's a really mm. thin Roosters lineup here. Um, it's not that strong. Um, and the fact that, you know, Dylan Napper didn't play, uh, last played first grade in NRL in 2021, and the fact that he's now back here in the round 24 tells you how thin their lineup is. Um, and th- that form around them in the last couple of weeks is really, really thin and poor. I mean, getting over the Eagles, I don't think is strong. Um, it is old boys day. They're back at their home ground at Moore Park at Allianz. Uh, that will help them. Um, but the Dolphins, you know, Bennett just has this knack of getting into them and getting them up for the right games. And one of the reasons he was so pissed off and dirty in his press conference last week is he was filthy about their performance in that game and the fact that they went down and let the Knights back in and in that last 15 minutes. I'd expect he's been into them for the Reds this week and that the Dolphins aim up. I think the Roosters probably win. I thought 10.5 was way too big. I want to be with the Dolphins at the start. The Roosters probably squeak home. An upset would not surprise me. The Roosters are not going as well as it looks. Storm take on uh, the Raiders. Uh, this is uh, obviously down in Melbourne. It's a home game for the Storm. Um, we don't see Pappy back on the bench yet. The talk is that he'll probably play 80 minutes this week in Q Cup, so that's great. Um yeah, they, they're pre- it's a pretty strong side. Both sides are trotting out. There's not many guys out. Uh, keen to watch this Ethan Strange play for the Raiders. Comes with big raps out of the uh, 
New South Wales under-19s. He's followed a very similar pathway to Laurie Daly and um, and Josh uh, and Jack Whiten. Uh, how do you see this one rolling? Well, he's a signing from the Eels. Oh, is he? he? So he's not a junior? No. no. Oh, okay. He's picked up from the Eels, as I understand it. And, okay. You know, he, he was a standout in the under-19 game. He scored three which tries. I believe he's... You believe your sister plays uh, NRLW for the Knights, and Dad coaches the uh, Roosters. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So what a what a family affair. There you go. Um, bit of a baptism of fire, I guess. But it's great to see that you know recent signing, and uh, you know certainly the kid looks the goods. Um, uh, down to Melbourne here, the Raiders have got a great record against the Storm and in Melbourne. They've won the last five in Melbourne, which is quite staggering for any team. I can't believe that. I, I think with that rivalry, I can't believe that they're paying $3.63 and the Storm are, well, I, Storm are as short as $1.29. Well, I think the market's uh, too generous to the Storm. Um, the key question here is if Hughes plays and if Oates plays. Now, uh, sorry, Coates plays. Bellamy in an interview last week uh, suggested that Coates may have an injury that may really mount for the season. So a bit of a watch there whether he's recovered. They've also got a few others missing, and then if Hughes is out, it certainly weaks, weakens them. They come off a strong form line, which I think is part and parcel of why the market has it rated as it is. Of playing Penrith, that Penrith passed last week, that is strong form. Having won their last six in Melbourne is clearly also an advantage. The key worry about the Raiders is that they come through the softest draw of the competition and they have the highest number of small margin wins of any team in the comp. So are they regressing? Are they starting to be found out? Should have got beat last week, got beat the week before by the Knights, uh, beat the week before by the Warriors, and it should have been more than one. Um, I'm with the Storm at home. If I had to have an interest in the game, I'd be with the Raiders at the start, which is plus 12, but I do not trust them. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Probably his two best centres, um, Olam, Justin Olam, and uh, I see Remus, uh, Remus Smith is on the extended reserve bench at number 19, uh, and Olam's running around in Q Cup. Bellum, he's obviously got the shits with Justin. Uh, he put a rocket right through him, I believe, three or four weeks ago. Um, major defensive issues uh, on his edge. Uh, he's been back in Q Cup for a number of weeks, and Bit of a murmur in the joint because he signed a big money deal. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, very interesting. Yeah, I hope that one doesn't go sour. I like. Uh, I think Olam has been a really good player for them. Uh, we I move reckon, on. Uh, Steve, I reckon there'd be one wish in life that you wouldn't want, and that is that meeting with Bellamy when he's not happy with you. <laughs> yeah, it'd be interesting. Probably be up there with meeting with Wayne Bennett. Uh, Sunday afternoon, Newcastle will be absolutely rocking. Four oh five, an hour. Probably 90 minutes before the Matildas kick off, uh, the Knights take on Gussie's Bulldogs. Yes, they do. They do. Listen, uh, uh, this is a trick game for the Knights. They've won five. They clearly had an off day last week, as O'Brien suggested. It was good on an off day to then still be able to pull it out of the fire late as they did and come away with a win. Won that last five, and their record at home has been very good. They've won six of ten, but won the last two there. And their record at covering the line at home is also very good. But a player bulldog team that comes off a bye and a freshen up, 
but importantly, get a whole heap of key ins. Yeah, Jared, just um, on that, I, I actually think that this Bulldog side's probably the strongest they've put on the park this year. It is. It Avarello, is. Uh, Karaz and Braden Burns in the centres, Adokar, Burton at six, Toby Sexton at seven, but their pack, Max King, Reed Marnie, uh, Pangai Jr., back row, uh, kick out, Preston, and then Ryan Sutton and the bench, Luke Thompson, Liam Knight, Corey Woodell. That's the best side they've put on the park all year. It is by far. Luke Thompson played reserve grade last week, played half a game, uh, finally getting some match fitness into him. This is his first game in first grade uh, off a long foot injury. But the rest of the team is the strongest, as you suggested, they've lined up with this year. Their away record's poor, lost 7 of 10, but a lot of that's to do with the fact that they've had a weak lineup most weeks. This is not straightforward. Um, I think the Knights win. I think the Bulldogs test this. I thought eight and a half looked a bit generous. Uh, the other one I did want to play was the under 47 and a half there because if the Bulldogs turn up, as I suspect, mm. uh, I don't know that we get the 50 points here. I'm I think with you. Under 47. Closer. I like that call, Jared. I like it. You You've go. gone two under the numbers this week. This is good. I have. I have. Oh, okay. What's the BBD? Oh, is that what you call it? That's the, uh, the, the RDO of the week, what is it? So we'll quickly go through the tips. So the Panthers by 14, Sharks by 8, Broncos by 16, Rabbits by 16, Warriors by 10, Roosters by 4, Storm by 4, Knights by 6. Now I thought the best of the week was mm-hmm. the Eagles-Panthers under 43.5 tonight. So we can get the money early. I like First that. game of the week. Yeah, I don't think there's points in the game. Now, the other one I really like in that game, the anytime try scorer for the week is Stephen Crichton, $1.90. Listen, I think he should be $1.40. He's uh, in rare form. He scored 10 tries from seven, 17 outings this year. Uh, I suspect that they'll play him on the left like they did last week. Um, that left uh, that right edge for the Eagles has just got major problems defending, and I think he'll be picking up a try. Now, the BBDO. So, hang on, hang on, bit... hang on, hang on, hang on. So, anytime try scorers, we're going stags for the Broncos. Yes. But your standout anytime try scorer is Crichton from the Panthers in tonight's game. Cor- Correct. Okay, let's go to the next RDO, whatever you call it. Okay, now Woody's listening in. What Woody needs to do is grab 50 bucks. He'll struggle. So the the BBDO, okay? The B is he needs to book. So he needs to ring the Chinese in Lennox (laughs) and book for tomorrow night a table for dinner. Okay. The next next B is he needs to bet. So he needs to go and have a $50 bet on the combination of the Panthers-Eagles under... 43 and a half and any time try scorer of Crichton. Combine those two and that's about Ooh, five bucks. I like that. Right? Yeah. And then after that, tomorrow just pop by, collect, and then the DO is he can go and dine out. So he can book, <laughs> bet, and dine out. Well, Jared, I actually, funny enough, on Monday night, I actually got the two uh, Berwick and Woody in the shed. We were back in the shed for oh, it's first time for about nine months to do a, a podcast out there. Um, gee, Woody was in good form. He was in good <laughs> form, but he's struggling. He's listening to the podcast. He's he's been uh, you know just for listeners, it's really been difficult to get those two in the room on Mondays and Thursdays because uh, they're busy boys. Barnsley's on a plane, I think, last night up to Darwin to do the Wallabies camp. 
Um, he had a bit of a bounce in his step. He thought the Wallabies were really good against the um, the All Blacks. They didn't win. But, uh, yeah, he's uh, he's been very busy juggling that one and the Knights. Uh, and Woody dead set every morning at uh, 6, 6.15. He is on a beach somewhere on the North Coast coaching. But they were in good form. Woody was in outstanding form. Uh, and I and he's listening to the podcast, Jarrett. So he, he he I think I'll be getting texts by about when's the podcast up? I need Jared's bets. Tell me the bets. And I, I say to him, no, you got to listen to the podcast. Well, the good thing is we've designed a little bet for him and the listeners this week. Hopefully, a fifty dollar outlay could turn into a two hundred and fifty dollar return and pay for Chinese dinner on a Saturday night. Okay, so in summary, that is under forty three and a half yeah. on tonight's game. Yep. And Crichton, anytime try scorer. Anytime try. Uh, I've also backed them uh, one out. I also like the under in the Knights Bulldogs under 47.5. I think that's way, way too high. And uh, Listen, I thought the best line bet for the weekend on a really difficult round where some of the line placements or the matchups are very tricky. I do think the Broncos carve up the Eels. So I thought the minus 11.5 was way too short. Righto, well, that's a bloody good summary. Hopefully your bet gets up and then we can sit back and uh, sit back and watch the Matildas. Uh, I'm going to call it 3-1. They'll beat France. Well, that'll be fantastic. Just, I, I, I loved watching their last two games. Love everything about them. Looking forward to that. And uh, listen, uh, if uh, the Panthers and the Eagles do the right thing and we get the BBDO up tonight, make sure... Woody books a table for six because I'll be in the car tomorrow down for a free Chinese. Righto, catch you on Monday. Thank you. See ya. See you, mate. Gunsmoke here. We only set fire through the microphones. (laughs)